0: Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. That is how the story begins, the resurrection story of the Gospel of John. Mary is going through the ritual of burial, the ritual of what happens next after death. Mary's going through these rituals as though nothing has really changed. And Rituals are important. They help us to process and go through outwardly uh, many of the things that are going through us inwardly. Maybe even during this time of a pandemic, we have developed certain rituals which has helped us to process and to simply live through the reality that we have been in for so long at this point. And as helpful as rituals are, and sometimes we go the one extreme of not experiencing any kind of ritual, and thus we're not able to process what we're going through. However, we can go to the other extreme and allow these rituals to overshadow and overpower us from actually continuing to live life, the lives that we are supposed to live. But sometimes in life, everything changes. Bishop Carter, in his Easter message that went out last week, um, was a video that I played. It just popped up like an email, uh, as many of them do. And one of the first things that he said at the beginning of his message was that famous line from the Luke version of the resurrection story. Why do you look for the living among the dead? And, of course, it's a famous line. I mean, it's a part of the Easter story that many of us have probably heard and maybe heard it so often that, like me, you just kind of glaze over it. But for whatever reason, the way that Bishop Carter said it just had me thinking about that question. And maybe to put it in contemporary terms, it's like our modern version of insanity, which is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Why do we look for the living among the dead? Mary turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. He said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned. And said to him in Hebrew, "Rabbi," which means teacher. And I, I kind of had this image as Jeremy was singing, "Be still," of Mary, kind of going back and forth in sort of this nervous anxiety and nervous energy that we sometimes have in in our grief, that we have to make sure that everything is taken care of. And when something is out of sync, then we are out of sync, and we're running around. And finally, Jesus just says, "Mary." be still. And then she recognizes. Jesus appears in the midst of this ritual. In fact, Jesus did this all the time when he was alive during the Jewish rituals that had sort of overtaken their lives and their perceptions, and he does it now resurrected. Jesus comes In the midst of our rituals, Jesus comes in the midst of these things that we consider normal, even if that normal is heartbreaking. And then he changes everything. This is part of what we hope to experience and embody now being the current. Hearing God, seeing God, experience God saying in one way or another, I am making all things new. Pastor Nikki, when she was lifting this up uh, last week in Palm Sunday, she put it in this great way. She talked about, you know, we're sort of bringing back some of those paramount pieces of 1120, trying to get our service back to where that was pre-pandemic, but also acknowledging that in some ways there is no going back. And there are some things that we cannot simply time travel back into and be the way that it was. We have to continue to move forward. And in this, we experience God saying, I am making all things new, including reaching new people. The people of Ukraine continue to stand and continue to endure in the, in the midst of such devastation and destruction and death and loss. Being orthodox Christians in their culture, in their community, liturgically, they are now today celebrating Palm Sunday. Next week will be their Easter. Now, who knows what, hap- what will happen in the midst of a week, but it is also a reminder that Easter continues. It continues half a world away, but it can also continue in our world. Hearing God continue to say, I am making all things new. Judge Katanji Brown Jackson was confirmed in the U.S. Supreme Court, and perhaps you saw the quote that I did when she said, my family went from segregation to the Supreme Court in one generation. Making all things new. And it reminds us that women should preach as well. (laughs) South Carolina basketball coach Dawn Staley, whose team won the national championship, as part of the celebration, she cut off the net of the goal, as coaches traditionally do. But she also talked about later when uh, Carolyn Peck became the first black female head coach to win a women's basketball title back in 99. She said Peck gave her a piece of the net in 2015 under one condition, She says to Staley, when you win your first title, you must also pass the net. Passing the net. When Mary discovers Jesus is alive, when she experiences the resurrection first for herself, her first action is to then go and to share the story with others. Mary becomes the very first preacher of the full gospel of Jesus Christ. How do we tell the story of resurrection? This last Wednesday, I wrapped up a discussion group that we had been doing based off the book that I wrote, Shawshank, Where We Hide. Now, for me, this uh, kind of developed from a sermon series that I did in a previous church, and it was really focused on Lent. Through the six weeks, where do we hide from ourselves? Where do we hide from the Bible? Where do we hide from other ideas? Where do we hide from death? Where do we hide from God? But taking it this time, we sort of went through the discussion of also, where do we find ourselves coming out of hiding? And Renee, I see you uh, here this morning. Renee was the one at the end of the group. He said, you know, Andy Dufresne, who's the main character of the story, is kind of like a Christ figure, which I very much agree with. In fact, I write a little bit about that in the book, but it wasn't actually going it wasn't until going through this group, I have to confess, that I was able to take it a, a step further. that it's not just a story about hope, it's not just a story who has a Christ like figure. It is much more. Writer Stephen King, who created this story, often refers to himself as a lapsed Methodist. He went to a United Methodist church growing up. In fact, he even has a daughter who is a United Methodist uh, clergy person. One of the things that you might notice if you have read some of Stephen King's work is that even though he may not be a practicing churchgoer or Christian or whatever, he, he does a good job, in my opinion anyway, of uh, honoring people's faith and the practices and their theology in the workings of his story, including Shawshank. Now, why does this even matter on Easter? One of the things I discovered in this last experience is Shawshank is the entire gospel story. You have this man, Andy Dufresne, who is innocent yet condemned to prison. Innocent, kind of like a lamb. Going into this very dangerous world and situation, he comes into this new community, and little by little, after time passes, he starts to show them hope. Now, in the midst of showing people hope, he also meets the religious establishment, the Warren, who likes to hand out Bibles to all of his prisoners. He starts to gain followers And in the midst of the hope that he is offering this community, he is punished many times over. One of them being that he's condemned to solitary, to darkness. But one morning, the police or the guards show up for their routine. And they discover that the cell is empty. And then the warden shows up and he pulls back a poster that's on the wall. And he discovers an empty tomb-like tunnel. And once the news gets out that this man has mysteriously disappeared, his disciples start telling and retelling the stories. They tell them to each other, but they also tell to new folks who come in or people who may not have personally met Andy, but now they're hearing about him. And then finally, the Peter character, the Thomas character, Red, is eventually released. He's released, but he still feels as though he is imprisoned because he doesn't belong out in the outside. And he says, only one thing stops me from going back, and that's a promise that I made to my friend. And so he goes out to search for his friend, and he finds his friend, his teacher, his inspiration on a beach. So what's the point? Did Stephen King set out to retell the story of Jesus Christ? Probably not. But I know that I experienced God through reading that story. More importantly, um, Stephen King is a storyteller. And guess what? So are we. So are you. You are a storyteller and you have a story to tell. Don't we? Isn't that the whole reason we are here? We are celebrating the story of resurrection. Everything, everything that we have been going through, all the reflection, all of the journeying, all of the uncertainty, all of it has led to this point. This is a story that we not only need to hear This is a story that the people, the world, needs to hear. And if they don't connect with a 2,000-year-old story, maybe they'll connect with a Shawshank story. Maybe they'll connect with a Superman story. Maybe they will connect with a Star Wars story. Maybe they will connect with your story because you're the only one who can tell it. Jesus came and said to them, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. In other words, go and tell the story. Go share with others what it is that I have shared with you. What is the story that is changing our life? What is the story worth doing, worth living for you? Because that is the story that the world needs to hear. Your story. I tell this story every Easter, I think, maybe. When I was in college, my younger brother, who was a teenager, he was part of the church youth group of where I was going. And back in the mid-90s, I don't know why, I still don't get it, but they would do uh, miming. They would mime out church stories. Had anybody else ever seen this? It's really weird. I mean, they put on makeup. They wear black and white costumes. It's, I, don't, I didn't get it then. I don't get it now. But when I went back to college for Easter weekend, for the sunrise service, they mimed the resurrection story, and it started first with the crucifixion. So I get there; I have no idea what's about to happen. I'm sitting pretty up front because my parents like to sit up front, so I had to sit up front too. But um, as they were moving forward, I start to see you know all of these teenagers come up in mime guys, and you know they're they're kind of acting out the Roman centurion soldiers, the 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 crowd who was there, and then here comes somebody. Carrying the cross. And I just see it out of the corner of my eye. He's actually strapped to a cross. And then, right as this kid passes me, he kind of slips. Maybe the grass was wet. I don't know. But he slips and he kind of stumbles. And the first thing that I think about is the weight of that cross on Jesus and how exhausted he must have been and just to the point of collapse. And I turn to look. And it's my brother, who almost collapsed right in front of me. And it was at that moment that I understood. I understood this whole life-encompassing idea of what it means that God does what God does for me. And if God does what God does for me, then God does what God does for the entire world. And if God does what God does for the entire world... And that includes me, and it includes all of us. And so I'm convinced that day that my brother didn't just trip for me, but it was part of that great story. Now, it's not the story of the day that I became a Christian. Most days I'm not even really sure what that means. It's not the day that I gave my life to Christ because more days I take that life back. But it is the story of a moment when God profoundly changed my life. What is your story? See, it doesn't matter what we call this service. It doesn't matter what logos we use. It doesn't matter what songs we sing. It doesn't even matter how incredible and wonderful our worship leaders are. It doesn't matter how many staff we have or how big our campus is or how prestigious our reputation is. None of that matters unless we are willing to tell, unless we are willing to live the story. Just to let you know about some things that are coming as we continue this season of resurrection. Next Sunday, um, at all of the first three of our services, we will be celebrating Youth Sunday. Um, 8.15, 9.30, 11 in the Sanctuary. Uh, you'll get to see the youth lead the entire service. It's going to be fantastic. Um, if you want to go to that service at 11, trust me, we will not hold it against you because you will be in for a great celebration. Following that, our next sermon series is called Jesus and the Lorax. Now, this is kind of a a series that's going to be intentionally for children. We hope it's engaging for children as we are entering that summer season. But it also teaches us how it is that God calls us to be stewards and caretakers of God's creation. And so we hope that that's a sermon series that will speak with all of us. As we continue this new season of The Current, one of the things that Jeremy and myself and Pastor Nikki, some other folks are going to start is a new ritual of having lunch uh, at the joinery. The first time we're going to do this is this coming Thursday at noon. We're going to hang out outside. The joinery is a great place if you've never been there downtown. Many different places to eat, but you can still have the same conversation together. This is open for anybody who just wants to hang out, have lunch together, maybe have questions about uh, what's this new direction that we're going into, questions about God, whatever it is. Or it may just be a time that we have a great lunch together. We're going to do this uh, this coming Thursday and then try to do it every first Thursday of the month. So again, we'll remind folks as we continue to do that. One last story I want to share with you. This is another gift from Pastor Dale. It is a bent chalice. Hear this story. The bent chalice is a visual reminder that people of faith can come to the welcoming table just as they are, bringing whatever broken pieces of life, whatever is not perfect, whatever does not quite measure up and know that we are all made in the image of the holy. And I would add in the image of resurrection. And that's what the current is. It's all of us in our bentness and brokenness doing our best to share God, to know love, to to know each other and to share that message, to share the story. Go and share the story. Happy Easter.